The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Let's cock do it'll do it. It is Roto Expert morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds, the spitting statistician. And as always, I am overjoyed to be joined by my man, the King, FSW, a Hall of Famer, the King, Scott Angle. Scotty, I didn't hear the music as usual today to get me all excited. It is my cock a doodle do for the morning. But regardless, how are you feeling, brother man? Good. Uh, I can beatbox for you if you want. You know, I, you know, I might need that. I might need that. Yeah. You know, like everybody has their triggers. It's kind of like the alarm yeah. clock. You know what I mean? And you know, and I, and I like, to, I like to start bouncing around. It gets me in the mood, but that's okay. I'm in the mood for football because Scotty, there is an actual football game today. It almost feels like Christmas morning to me, Scotty. It does, and you know, you like to just see, you know, just the teams out there, but like. Midway through the first quarter, honestly, you get bored, and I don't know how much fantasy impact we're going to get through uh, tonight's game. You know, there's all kinds of speculation ranging from the fact that Lamar Jackson might not play much at all today, he might, that he might play two quarters. I would lean towards, you know, the latter, but you're probably not going to see a lot of uh, the key players because they want to avoid in injuries. Yeah, that is true. You know, you always got to balance that, especially these teams that in this Hall of Fame game, they play, you know, a week earlier than everybody else. We'll talk a little bit more about that game and what we are looking for in that game a little bit later on this hour. We're going to start it off with news and notes from training camp like usual. But I got to let you guys know, remember, especially now, football is back. 
okay, so you need to go out and get that Roto Experts exclusive Edge fantasy football package. Don't forget to enter the promo code the King at checkout for your uh, for your discount. Here's the other thing. Listen, guys, you could join the show. We're gonna put the fun in functional sports radio as usual. The number to call is eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. And then my man, okay, the manimal Chris Bavona down there in the fantasy pit of misery. Dilly dilly to him. He's gonna get this poll question up. Here's what we want to know, okay? We talk about these rookie running backs all the time. We talk about these rookie quarterbacks all the time. What I want to know from you guys today is which rookie wide receiver do you think will have the biggest fantasy football impact this year? We're talking about redraft leagues, okay? Not necessarily in dynasty leagues or anything like that. I want to know which of these rookie wide receivers do you think is primed to actually produce for fantasy teams this season. The four options I have are Calvin Ridley in Atlanta, the kid out of Alabama, Christian Kirk, in Arizona, okay, might he be a target moving forward of, oh, I don't know, Sam Bradford or potentially Josh Rosen? Will it be Anthony Miller? A lot of buzz about this kid in Chicago, but all of a sudden now, the Chicago Bears have a number of interesting weapons. Will he still be in the mix, or will he have a chair when the music stops? And then in Carolina... There's DJ Moore, okay? This kid out of Maryland who it looks like is going to be opposite um, Devin Funches. Scotty, how would, how would you answer this poll? Who do you think has the best uh, impact this year, Ridley, Kirk, Miller, or DJ Moore at the wide receiver position? Yeah, I think it's Ridley. I think Ridley is widely regarded as the best rookie wide receiver to come out of this class by scouts and NFL personnel type people. Uh, you know, guy can instantly take the top off of a defense – Big downfield, big play threat that can maybe stretch the field more for Matt Ryan. What you have to be careful with, though, is Matt Ryan is not one of those type of quarterbacks that hits 50-50 balls. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, he's not going to throw a jump ball. I think that's also part of why Julio Jones doesn't score as much as he should, though. But, you know, you you could liken this maybe to, like, you know, a little bit bigger version of Brandon Cooks going to the Rams. And, you know, Muhammad Sanu to me is, like, always been mediocre you know Ridley, Ridley Ridley is a guy who's gonna be quicking out of out of his routes hitting out and up and separate from a defensive back and Ryan's gonna hit him downfield and he's gonna take it the rest of the way this guy's big play potential if you play in a performance league which means you get points for like extra points for like 40 50 yard touchdown receptions I think you like Calvin Ridley even a little bit more Interesting, interesting. For me, for me, I look at it in a slightly different way, Scott. I know it's, it's kind of hard for these rookie wide receivers to make an impact. So I'm looking at it as like which one of these guys are in an offense that have kind of the least amount of other weapons? Like which one of these guys do I think can actually be the number three option on their team? And I don't know that the answer for me is Calvin Ridley because of where Devontae Freeman is and what Julio Jones offers. In Chicago, all of a sudden, there's a number of weapons. We know about Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, but they get Allen Robinson. A lot of people like Trey Burton at the tight end position. And then in Carolina, listen, you got Christian McCaffrey, you got Funches, you got a returning Greg Olson. I'm intrigued by Kirk out there in Arizona. I think he maybe has the least skill out of these four wide receivers. But, you know, outside of Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson, albeit those being very two kind of guys that are definitely going to get a ton of touches, I wonder if Christian Kirk has opportunity as that kind of of like shake and bake receiver uh, that can do a lot of things and be in space. He plays a role for that team that I think could be very interesting. I'm intrigued by Christian Kirk, even though I think he may have the least skill 
of those four wide receivers, but we will see. Make sure to make your voice heard and vote on the poll. We got it up right now at FNTSY Radio. You can find us at at Spittin' Speeds, at Scotty Roto X, at the All In Kid, and of course at Roto Experts. Hey, Scotty, let's look at some of the news and notes that I saw um, yesterday. I think. Scotty, there's, there's, there's news around the uh, Washington wide receivers, okay? Josh Dotson, it looks like he injured his shoulder. It doesn't seem like it's serious, you know, maybe a sprain of the AC joint. But, you know, these things are going to start happening, Scott. You know, as we practice and as games get kicking off, uh, people are going to get hurt. You know, so we're hearing that Josh Dotson injured his shoulder. Maybe it's not that serious. But then on the flip side, I was also hearing that Alex Smith and Jamison Crowder, a shot at Jamison, they are building really good chemistry. I think that's good news. We talked about how, you know, these new guys have to take the time to understand the back shoulder fades, understand how they come out of breaks. Them them building good chemistry is, um, I think, a really positive sign. Scotty, talk to me maybe about the ceiling of Jamison Crowder this year. Seems like a lot of people like him. And with this Josh Dotson injury, I don't know. I know you know about Paul Richardson from Seattle. Talk to me what you expect about Jamison Crowder this year and... Do you think Richardson threatens Dotson for kind of like the main outside receiver in Washington? I think he can threaten him, but I don't like Richardson with Washington as much Mm. as I did in Seattle. Russell Wilson is one of the best deep throwers, period, in the game and loves to throw that 50-50 ball that, you know, that Richardson can go up and get. Richardson was perfect for a guy that, you know, Wilson will break the pop and freelance and then throw a deep ball and the defense will break down. Uh, I think Alex Smith is much more of a pure pocket passer and not a good, good, consistent deep thrower as Russell Wilson. So I think from that perspective, Paul Richardson's productivity could be more spaced out and not as dependable. This isn't a major injury from everything that I've read to Josh right. Doxson, uh, but you know, I think the two of them play different roles. Richardson can maybe a deep be a, be a deep speed guy, uh, where Josh Doxson is more of they say uh, you know red zone and hybrid sort of threat. I think Josh Doxson might turn out to be more talented than Paul Richardson. As for Alex Smith connecting with James Crowder, that's not news to me. You know, it's uh, Crowder's their best receiver. Fair enough. So where do we have Jamison Crowder? Like, for example, I, I've heard a lot of people say that Jamison Crowder is particularly intriguing to them in PPR formats. Do you buy that? Like, he's the guy that's in the slot. He's that underneath guy. He's going to get, you know, he'll get his 80, 85 catches, but they maybe, you know, you mentioned the kind of performance league that he may not have as much value there and have more value in PPR settings. What do you see as the ceiling for Jamison Crowder? Are you comfortable with him as your wide receiver three this year? Definitely, uh, you know, as my wide receiver three, uh, I think the, think the ceiling is a wide receiver two, uh, hmm. probably. But it, Crowder, Crowder, when the quarterback play was better, uh, you know, two years ago, uh, and he was staying healthy, you know, yeah, was that was the guy. That was that, he was a little banged up last year, and you know, he was very good in the slot. Like he could really tear down the seam and take it to, take it to the house. So uh, I think there's still but this is a different quarterback. That's when Kirk Cousins was throwing deep very often, you know, and Mm -hmm. Alex Smith is going to be more high percentage. So, you know, there's an opportunity to maybe be like a poor man's Jarvis Landry type here for Jamison Crowder. I often talk about 
you know, how the numbers can come through different types of production than they have in the past. And that's what I think you see with Jamison Crowder. You know, maybe he doesn't score more than six touchdowns, but he picks up a lot of receptions. I've heard some Antonio Brown comparisons. I I think those are off. You know, it's not the same skill set. He's my number 28 uh, wide receiver uh, in PPR, my PPR ranks, which are updated right now on rotoexperts.com in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter the King at checkout for a special discount. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget to go on and get all that insight, all that information, all those ranks, all those kind of customizable uh, tiers, ba- projections based on your league setting. And don't forget to enter the promo code the King at checkout. We're still working on making the promo code Speeds, right, Scotty? And we're still working on making that promo code uh, El Rey uh, for the promo yeah. for the uh, exclusive I'll get those, package. I'll get those in today. All right, fair enough, fair enough. And, you know, I'm excited. I'm glad that you talk about Crowder so uh, lovingly, Scott, because in my my home dynasty league, which I won last year, you know, I am going to war already with my three wide receivers. I'm keeping them. I'm keeping DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, and Jamison Crowder already. So I believe if, if you tell me I can have Crowder as my three, I got Diggs as my two, Hopkins as my one, I feel very good about that let's talk more about uh wide receivers here okay we had a injury up there in new england okay jordan matthews they put him on the ir after what they say is a significant hamstring injury now scotty i was i was um i was gonna be one of these guys that were gonna try and get on the jordan matthews bandwagon okay we talked about it a little bit on this show i said that maybe there was opportunity with edelman out for the first four games maybe it was gonna be matthews that inhabited that slot role and you know matthews for goodness sakes this is jerry rice's nephew okay and he had some time in philadelphia where he you know almost approached a thousand yards then he went into the wasteland that was buffalo you know and i thought he had an opportunity with tom brady making him better that is is not going to happen, so it's bad to see for uh, Jordan Matthews. However, that now brings an opportunity for someone else. You know, who do you think it's going to be that maybe, you know, does serve that role in that slot? Because we have Hogan, and you know there's Gronk, but after that, especially for the first four games, it's there's opportunity there for someone. Could it be former Indianapolis Colt Philip Dorsett, Scott? Tell me what you think uh, happens here with New England and these wide receivers. Yeah, it's it's a case of, you know, where I constantly talk about it. It's an audition process of who's going to step forward. And Tom Brady, and somebody's going to be relevant here because Tom Brady's that type of quarterback who makes the slot receiver for New England will be relevant. Any receiver better. Now, Malcolm Mitchell is hurt. Uh, You know, Kenny Britt is also, but Mm. I'm going to give you the name to watch, okay? Braxton. Berrios, rookie out of Miami, sixth round, sixth round ride receiver who has already drawn comparisons to Julian Edelman. This kid has an opportunity to step forward and have to be pushed right into a slot role with Tom Brady. And I was thinking that you better dynasty league pick, maybe wait to next year. But I look at everything ahead of him, and there's an opportunity for him to move up the depth chart depending on what he does in camp. Malcolm Mitchell is hurt. Philip Dorsett has shown us absolutely nothing. Kenny Britt, it was a flash in the pan. Matthew Slater is a special teams guy. Braxton Berrios was picked specifically, even though he slipped all the way to the sixth round, for the, to be a project in, in the slot. And it would not surprise me if he stepped forward for a few games uh, while Edelman is out. 
I hear that. I like that. I want somebody to watch. Somebody to watch. Somebody okay. to watch. He has depends on how he plays in the preseason. Sure. But this is a name you need to file away, especially I'm I'm seeing a lot of rookie dynasty drafts. This guy's going undrafted. That is a mistake. Okay, fair enough. Let me ask you a couple more questions about that. One, what about the name that I suggested, Philip Dorsett? I mean, they did trade for this guy in the Jacoby Brissett deal last year. You know, people forgot about this guy. He was a first-round pick. You know, just kind of was the, – the, the deck was stacked against them when there were a lot of options in Indianapolis. Do you think he has any potential to, to be that guy as well, Scott? Who's that? Philip Dorsett. I just – from what I've seen of Philip Dorsett – He's just like a downfield fly pattern kind of mm. guy. I, maybe they can hit him for a few big plays here and well, there. Well, they lost Brandon Cooks. They lost Brandon Cooks. Don't they? Have, they, they need someone to fill not, that role. Maybe he's, he's not the slot guy, but he's he's not a Brandon Cooks. You know, okay. let's not put that on him. Uh, you know, the, that that kind of talent and polish is just not there. Not that not that Brandon Cooks is a polished NFL receiver, but certainly more than Philip Dorsett. You know, there's opportunity, but opportunity. Look. You know, this could mean more catches out of the backfield, uh, you know, for Rex some of the Burkhead. running backs like Rex Burkhead and James White. You know, they, you right. know they, they, they might draw it up more that way. Okay. Interesting. Here's the other, um, here's the other question I wanted to ask you because you talk about uh, wide receivers in dynasty leagues. You mentioned Berrios as an interesting name to watch, you know, a guy to keep an eye on. In dynasty leagues, when you're looking at wide receivers, Scott, do you ever consider – the age of the quarterback, for example, when you mentioned a dynasty guy, like a guy to hold on to for a couple of years in New England, I'm also wondering, well, how many years does Tom Brady have left? You know, like all things being equal, Scott, would you rather get a wide receiver in dynasty leagues on a team where their quarterback is entering their prime as opposed to, say, uh, Pittsburgh, the Giants, the Chargers, uh, the Saints, the Pats, where you may be dealing with a change in quarterback over, uh, you know, uh, over this idea of dynasty if you're projecting forward? I think that's dangerous. Okay. Because, and I'll give you, I'll tell you why. Because in dynasty leagues, you can't look too far ahead. You okay. have to remember that you want to win this year. You know, like it's kind of like, you know, in baseball, you know, when, when a team rents a guy down the stretch when they, right. they want to win this year or he's on a one or a two year deal. You want to win this year and you can't assume that the next quarterback is that going to come in is going to be a huge drop off in production. Now, let's say Tom Brady has two more good years, right? Okay. And but you're assuming that the next quarterback isn't going to be good, you don't know what the Patriots are going to do between now and, say, you know, the next two years. You, you know, think they, it's a fair assumption all, that it'll be you know, Tom Brady? For all you know, they're going to go out and maybe sign another veteran quarterback in free agency when Tom Brady's done. Or they might trade up to get one of the top prospects. Nobody's going to be Tom Brady, but if you're going from, say, a Tom Brady to a Matthew Stafford kind of level – you know, you can't assume that one of the top wide receivers is necessarily going to drop off. All right, fair enough. Let's go to one more piece of news before we look at this Bears-Ravens game tonight. Listen, 
Scotty, a lot of buzz, right? Everyone in the offseason talking about Patty Mahomes. We've had a lot about him in our team name contest as well. We'll get to some new submissions a little bit later on this hour. But reports are that he's having a quote-unquote interception-filled camp. He's thrown by one beat reporter's account. He's thrown seven interceptions in the last six practices, saying that there's some big plays being mixed in there as well. Scotty, what do we think about Patty Mahomes? A lot of excitement around him. But at the same time, we're hearing that he's like this gunslinger, right? in the mold of Brett Favre, like he's going to turn the ball over a little bit. You know, we've talked about other players where it comes down to like how much risk are you okay with? How much risk is Patty Mahomes at quarterback, Scott? He certainly is a risk. You know, that's why I think some people are rating him, putting him in the top 10. Uh, You know, what you have to remember here is you can't just base things on talent. Jake Seeley says talent always wins out. No, it doesn't. It it's not that exclusive. It's not that absolute. I you know, all due respect to Jake, talent does not always win out. Jed asked me when I ranked Monty Ball as a first round pick a few years ago. Talent doesn't always win out. Like I say, you can't predict execution. And this guy is going to be very, very inconsistent. But you know what you know what though? You can't also make too much of this because A, he's not losing the starting job. Right. And, you know, B, you know, Corey's made a good point, though. You know, when, when a guy throws a lot of interceptions, though, the team's going to play from behind or they're going to mm. get back on the field very more soon. More garbage time. You know, if they, you know, more, there's going to be more garbage time. There's going to be more catch-up. So can you live with Pat Mahomes in any given week throwing for 275 yards, rushing for 50, throwing two interceptions and – and two touchdowns? Yes. yes. Look, you know, when question. you're watching a game and you play fantasy, you see the interception. You go, oh, crap. Right. You know, but then the quarterback's going to have to play catch-up. So you have to remember how it plays into game flow. You know, this is mm-hmm. nobody's expecting Pat Mahomes to have an Aaron Rodgers, Russell-type, Wilson-type year with, like, under 10 interceptions. Right. And here's the other thing, and you kind of mentioned it. Uh, people are also expecting, I've seen in all these projections, uh, people projecting Patty Mahomes for, you know, three, 350, 400 rushing yards, Scott. And that mitigates the interceptions, right? Like in your example, if he throws, if he throws uh, two interceptions but runs for 40 yards, he cancels out the interceptions right there. You know what there I'm saying? Go. I think that's a Runs for a to- touchdown and yeah. he throws three interceptions, he cancels right. out every single I like- interception. I really believe that his rushing yards will cancel out some of the uh, some of the uh, kind of uh, risk playing gunslinger of Patty Mahomes. I personally like him, but I like him not you know at that level you're talking about. He's to me another reason to wait on quarterback. Give me Patty Mahomes as like QB fourteen or something like that, and I'm completely comfortable with it. Scotty. Um, we got a football game tonight, Scotty. We have a football game yeah. tonight. We got yeah, the Baltimore boom, Ravens. Boom. <laughs> Absolutely. Kill, kill, kill. Uh, the Chicago Bears and the Baltimore Ravens in the Hall of Fame game. Those two teams selected because Erlocker and Ray Lewis, two of the best middle linebackers of the previous generation, are going to be inducted this weekend. Scotty, what are you looking for from these teams? For example, I'm very intrigued with Baltimore, not only because of Lamar Jackson, as we've talked about, but literally, Scott, every pass catcher for them is new. Their three top wide receivers are all new to this team. Okay, when you talk about Crab 
Crabtree, Willie Sneed, and Smokey John Brown. They also drafted not one, but two tight ends, okay, and Andrews and Hurst. I mean, it's nothing but new pass catchers. I'm very intrigued to see what this wide receiver group can do in Baltimore. You've never thought of the Ravens as like a big time kind of like passing team really under Flacco, but I am intrigued to see what Crabtree, Sneed, and Brown can do because I do think they all play different kind of roles. Crabtree is that big X kind of guy. Smokey John Brown as the take the top off the guy uh, defense and Willie Sneed as that kind of underneath chain mover guy. I'm intrigued by this wide receiving core. What do you think? Yeah, let's not forget they drafted two wide receivers as well in the middle and mm. late rounds of the NFL draft who are more projects. Ozzie Newsome, you know, is retiring this year, and the right. Ravens have not made the playoffs three out of, four out of the last five years and three in a row, and this organization is dedicated to sending Ozzie out with a bang before he goes into the Hall of Fame as an executive because under his guidance, you know, this franchise won two Super Bowls and really established a foothold in the Baltimore area after coming over for Cleveland. Right. What he really what he really did was here he you know he 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 knew that the offense needed revamping for right. all the criticism that Joe Flacco has taken what have they really surrounded Joe Flacco with so that's why you can't count him out in this quarterback battle completely and you know say he's going to get shoved aside he could end up being Alex Smith here but let's look at the personnel look they they added two offensive linemen right for the blocking, a lot of the line was was hurt last year. You know mm-hmm. that's that's number one. They bring back Alex Collins, who ranked ninth in the NFL with four point six yards per carry last year. And then they add the receivers that you note. Michael Crabtree's a tough son of a gun who will go right. over the as middle. As long as he keeps his head. chain. As long as he keeps his chain right. on. <laughs> right. He's a tough son of a gun over the middle. Right. And you have Willie Sneed, who is so underrated as a slot guy, but just right. doesn't get in the end zone. John Brown, for me, is the guy I don't want to mess with because he cannot stay healthy. You can't take out the top off the defense when you're on the set sidelines. But they drafted two tight ends who are both receiving tight ends and are not blockers. So you have to remember that. You know, they've, they've put this team, and you also have Buck Allen catching passes out of the backfield. Kenny so Dixon team, coming back also this year. Eh, well, You don't like Kenny Dixon? He hasn't shown us anything yet except he can get hurt. And he okay. was a fourth-round pick. This is not not a guy that came with some sort of superb pedigree. You know, there was an opportunity for him a few years ago, and people buzzed about him. We haven't seen anything. You know, he's a free agent. He was a free agent in my dynasty league and, like, you know, just recently got picked up. So, you know, players to watch. You know, I think you got to like Crabtree from a PPR perspective. I think uh, Willie Sneed is a possible DFS play, and you have to watch these tight ends. They're both rookie tight ends, but with two of them, one of them's got a hit. And, you know, maybe Buck Allen, maybe Buck Allen's a guy catch passes out of the backfield. Tonight, watch those rookie tight ends. I'm very interested to see uh, how they play. I don't know how much you'll see of the other veteran wide receivers, but I'd be interested to see what, what their rookies in the passing game can do. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta look keep an eye on these rookie tight ends. I'm intrigued to see any chemistry built with Flacco if in like the one or two drives that he's in with these with the starting wide receivers. And then of course whatever excitement Lamar Jackson could bring. We're gonna talk about what to expect on the Chicago Bears side when we come back. It's Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Da-da-da. 
Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Experts in the morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Listen to a little Snoop Doggy Dog, which is interesting because I just got hit up, Scott, by a guy named King Scheme on Twitter, wondering if uh, sipping on gin and juice could be a team name for the Fantasy team, team Name Contest. So I think it's interesting we got a little Snoop Dog coming out. What do you think about that one, Scotty? Sipping on gin and juice. Falling back on that ass like a hell of a gangster. <laughs> there you go. Something like that. Something like that. Fair enough. We're talking a lot of stuff. We got a Twitter poll up right now. Okay, asking you guys, which rookie wide receiver do you think will have the biggest impact? And let me tell you something. It's close. Right now, 33% say Calvin Ridley. 30% say DJ Moore. 23% say Anthony Miller on the Chicago Bears, who will be playing today. I'm also getting other um, answers. Right you know, in Joey votes. Brown. Yeah. yeah, Joey Brown on Twitter. Joey Brown, what's up, my brother? has Gallup. There's yeah. uh, another yeah. uh, another response on Twitter. Pamela says the answer is actually James Washington from the Steelers. So I think that is interesting I as I'm well. Looking, I'm looking. I'm looking at Pamela's avatar. And I, is that really Pamela or just a guy who likes comic book drawings? And Joey Brown, that's our boy, man. He's been with Roto Experts since the very beginning. That guy, I ab- absolutely love that guy, and he's he's the fan in my Scott Fishball League. Joey, uh, you know, but Joey's having a very happy life, got married a few years ago, and I, we love the guy. Fair enough, fair enough. Yo, my man King Scheme hit me up. I, uh, I, he's clearly listening. I, uh, I got it wrong. I was staring at it. It, wasn't, it was not Ginnon Juice. It was Ginnon Geis, okay, uh, the, uh, from the Washington, uh, you know, the running back, trying to get – he's shoehorning two names into one name. Big shout-out to King Scheme right there, uh, you know. Hitting me up with uh, the correction there for his team name, sipping on gin and guys. There you go. He's laid back. He's got his mind on his money with his money on his mind. My um, mind on my money and my money on my mind. I don't know if yeah, I absolutely. like gin, gin and guys because eh. while it reads like the same, it doesn't sound right. like the same. Hey, well, he'll hit you up on Twitter. And I'm, an, I'm well. an editor, too, so I'm very picky about this stuff. No, I understand that. I understand that. We broke down the Baltimore Ravens side of things. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bears side of things. But we also have our guy, Mike Leone, on the line representing DailyRoto.com, where they make millionaires. Hey, Mike, I don't know how you feel, but I am excited. There is football tonight. Are you, like, are you excited? Are you, do you see, like, presents underneath your Christmas tree the, this morning? I'm excited, but I'm also a little nervous. Like, oh man, we gotta we gotta get going here, get everything ready for opening day. Uh, it's time to get serious. Our yeah. tech team is doing a great job with our optimizer this year. I've I've got a good look at our beta so far. It's gonna be amazing. But uh, I am excited, but also, like I said, uh, it's really time to get going on the DFS side of things, and uh, we're doing that as we speak. 
Yeah, absolutely. Let me start off with this, and because listen, there's football tonight, so there's DFS football as well. You know, you and we were just talking. Me and Scott were just talking about the Baltimore Ravens and how you, there are things to look for in the preseason. You know, all three of their top their top three wide receivers are all new. They drafted wide receivers as well. They drafted not one but two tight ends. So for a team like this, where so many of their skill position players are new to the team, you know, how do you play some? Something like that in DFS where you really have no idea how many series these guys are going to get, what kind of chemistry these guys have, what the coaching staff wants to see in these guys, to what extent Lamar Jackson is going to be on the field tonight. I mean, how do you read, especially a team like the Ravens, who have so many new skill position pieces? Yeah, it's really difficult, and the key to preseason DFS, honestly, it's just all about playing time, like figuring snaps. out who's going to see the field, and yeah, snaps, exactly. Um, whereas, like, in regular season DFS, obviously the snaps are important, but you can dig a bit deeper, like, into the efficiency for snaps and whatnot. It's hard to do any of that in preseason DFS. All you care about is, you know, who's going to see the field, who's going to see it for an extended period of the time, and, you know, sometimes these teams where there are, you know, a new influx of players and they do need to see a bit more. It can actually be beneficial because they're going to see more snaps just because uh, the team needs to figure it out themselves. Uh, you're taking a look at the fact, you know, there's one game tonight and, you know, it's kind of hard to spread the field out. You know, that's one thing to consider. But overall, how do you attack preseason football? You know, we were talking about it yesterday. Sure, you know, third, second and third stringers are going to get opportunities. But as I always say, opportunities don't always lead to production necessarily. And, you know, you don't know how these guys are going to execute given the playing time. No, you don't. But as I said, like, that's sort of – a layer that's really difficult to project in preseason DFS is that production because you don't really know, you know, the strength of the opposing defenses, like the DVP calculations that we're generally doing during the season. Oh, this team soft versus tight ends. You know, that goes out the window because the opposing defenses aren't playing who they're normally going to play either. We don't know how they're going to execute. So it really just comes down to researching playing time and trying to follow the beat writers and just get a sense for, uh, you know, who's going to see the field for the majority of the time. And especially in that first week of preseason where you've not seen the start, you know, the, the regular season starters play that much, uh, people are going to be tempted to still use the popular names that they're used to using in the regular season NFL DFS. But that's honestly, like, usually not the way to go about things until you get to, like, week three where they really start to see the starters play a legitimate half of football. Yeah, you gotta. Um, I think you gotta be clued into some of the beat writers because they have, you know, the good idea on who's gonna be playing, you know, the entire second and entire third quarter. And that's where you get your kind of read on snaps and stuff like that, as you mentioned, especially in the first weeks of preseason. You know, these starters, the names you know, they're playing a series or two. You know, they be, they're playing maybe the first quarter and then they're getting out of there. So you really gotta keep it locked to the, some of the beat writers in terms of, you know, who is going to get those snaps, which, you 
you know, does lead to production if the skill set is there, to Scott's point. The other piece of preseason that I think is an interesting layer, Mike, and I want to hear how you kind of respond to this, is the over-under on these games are usually far lower than regular season games. I look tonight, the over-under on this game is 33 and a half as I look over to mybookie.ag. When teams, when, when games in general have such low point totals, um, what does that mean for, for, for DFS? Does that mean you target uh, any positions differently? Do you, do you think about uh, maybe more running games in this way? What do you do when you see a really low total? And those are really like the only options on the slate. It's not like you also have Green Bay versus New Orleans on the slate to also attack. What do you do with such low totals? It's really ugly, the totals that you're seeing for preseason NFL DFS. And um, it's basically pick them the way they have the salaries done just because, uh, you know, there's no need to price, you know, Aaron Rodgers at 10K because uh, you probably shouldn't even be using him at the pick them price that he's at because of the amount of playing time he's going to see. So uh, as far as like if you're targeting running back over receiver, that type of thing, it doesn't really matter because it's like a pick them slate. So the way it affects things, I hate to be repetitive, but it just comes back to the playing time again, whereas Mm -hmm. uh, on a traditional slate, we might favor some other players that might not see as many snaps but have high touchdown equity, guys like, you know, goal line backs and things like Mm -hmm. that, whereas on this slate, uh, you're not looking for those types of players. You're not really worried so much about the scoring upside as, you know, who's going to see the amount of targets, who's going to get the amount of carries. So volume is always a big deal in NFL DFS. It's always our number one driver. I just think that gets, you know, exponentially more important for preseason DFS. One, because of the low scoring um, that you mentioned. And two, just because it's harder to figure it out. So it's a much bigger edge over the field than it normally would be. I'm looking at the quarterbacks for tonight on DraftKings, and at 11,400, Lamar Jackson is the fifth most uh, – the, is is the che- actually the cheapest quarterback. I feel like he's going to be 100% owned. Uh, I feel like I can't go with Trubisky because I don't know how much he's going to play at 11,400. And Chase Daniel is, you know, from what I've seen of him preseason at 11,400 has been mediocre, you know. Maybe Tyler Bray is the answer. You know, how are you handicapping the field if you want to go against Lamar Jackson tonight? Yeah, so the difficulty, and again, like everyone's the same price tag just because of in preseason, the way they do it, even on a showdown slate like we've got. And uh, DraftKings has their new showdown slate where you've got a captain spot. So one way to differentiate mm from the field is just mess around like who you're throwing in that captain spot where you're going to get a multiplier of your points there. But as far as handicapping the field there, yeah, it's pretty difficult. I think, you know, you want to get off Lamar Jackson in tournaments to a certain extent. I guess Tyler Bray would be uh, the best guy to use. Whoever you think is going to get the most snaps for Chicago behind Trubisky is really where you're looking there. Fair enough. We're talking with my man, Mike Leone, out of DailyRoto.com. They make millionaires over there. You got to make sure you check out Daily Roto, all the insight they give you for Daily Fantasy. And listen, Daily Fantasy is starting in football tonight. And also, don't forget, we still got that partnership going on with DKMS. You could still win tickets for two to the 2018 Fall Classic over there, our collaboration with Daily Roto and, of course, DKMS. Hey, Mike. 
We got a poll question up today that I would love your impact, uh, your insights on. We talk about these rookie running backs. We talk about these rookie quarterbacks all the time. We're asking folks today, which rookie wide receiver do you think has the biggest fantasy football impact? And we're talking about in redraft leagues, like for this year, because rookie wide receivers don't usually pop off. But, you know, our choices right now, we have a we have a tie right now in the poll. Um, you know, we have Calvin Ridley at 31 percent, DJ Moore at 31 percent, Anthony Miller getting 23% of the vote, Christian Kirk getting 15% of the vote, and then we got write-in votes with people like Michael Gallup, James Washington, and Pittsburgh. Uh, handicap this field of rookie-wide receivers for me. Who are you taking in a redraft league in some kind of rookie formats? How do you think it shakes out this year? So I definitely prefer DJ Moore to Calvin Ridley for a couple mm. of reasons. One, I think he's just a better wide receiver prospect. He had a breakout age in the 97th percentile, uh, or the 98th percentile, according to playerprofiler.com. A uh, really high college dominator rating. His workout metrics are really good. You know, he ran a 4.42 uh, in the in the 40s. He's got a 123.8 spark X score, which is the 92nd percentile. So just a combination of breaking out at a young age, good college production, good college volume, and a really good athleticism. I think he's the guy to use, whereas Ridley – uh, he broke out at a much higher age, which is a little bit of a red flag for a guy that's getting drafted that early. And, of course, you're competing with Julio Jones for targets sure. there, and I just don't see the route to, to volume as much. But uh, Anthony Miller is a slot receiver, and a Bears offense is going to be so, so much better is very intriguing as well. But more is my answer. Um, I like the of the write-in votes that you mentioned. Gallup is intriguing just because of the potential for targets there in Dallas. Right. Uh, could be much higher than anyone else is going to see. You have an article, uh, Mike, in the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package on rotoexperts.com. Enter the king at checkout for a special discount. Uh, and you talk about zero running back and zero wide receiver theories. I'm a big fan of Tariq Cohen this year. I think of that run-pass offense that Chicago is going to deploy, that he's going to be a big playmaker, uh, so maybe sometimes boomer bust and a good best ball option. And in our FNTSY draft, uh, Emory Hunt actually took him as RB1, which I think is a little much. But I love the upside of Tariq Cohen this year. John Fox is not there, and I think, you know, Matt Nagy will realize what he has in him. If you're going to play zero uh, wide receiver theory, how much do you like Tariq Cohen? Yeah, I mean, zero running back, I think guys like him make a lot of sense where – you've got that floor because of their involvement in the receiving game where that floor matters a bit more to you uh, in a PPR format than it might somebody else who, you know, as their, you know, fourth, fifth running back, you know, they don't care about uh, the four catches for 30 yards or whatever they're going to get as a floor on a weekly basis. But you do, it does matter to you. And that's what I wrote about in the, the exclusive edge package is part of why zero running back, strategy can work is because you're getting players that are more valuable to you just based on your needs and your allocations than they are for anybody else. And someone like Cohen uh, is a good example of that, where you're getting that for because of the work in the pass catching role. But uh, we saw his explosiveness, especially at the beginning of last year. And uh, you do, so you do have a hint of upside there, especially if something were to happen to Jordan Howard, but the nice thing, too, as you mentioned, no more John Fox and that boring, you know, sort of, you know, run first old school type offense. You got 
a guy in Matt Nagy that's going to move Tariq Cohen around, that's going to use him more consistently. His usage last year was disappointing after a really uh, strong start to the year. It didn't seem like they knew how to use him. Um, so I'm with you. I like Tariq Cohen quite a bit as a guy to target if you're doing a zero running back approach. Hey, Mike, let's stay with the Bears and zoom out a little bit. You know, I mean, listen, we talk about you like Tariq Cohen. People like the volume potentially of, of Jordan Howard. You know, they bring in Allen Robinson as a number one wide receiver. They sign Gabriel to potentially be this over-the-top guy. You think about the buzz of Anthony Miller as a rookie making plays already in camp. They spend money as well on Trey Burton. A lot of people are excited about the role he can play in this Nagy offense, approximating, uh, you know, kind of the size-speed uh, weapon that Travis Kelsey is. Seems like there's a lot of names on the Bears. All of a sudden, there's a lot of mouths to feed. So my question for you, Mike, is like, in preseason, what are you looking for? What are going to be some of the indicators that you're looking for in preseason to, to kind of give you clues as to what this offense is going to look like? Because, you know, a lot of new pieces in Chicago. You know, what might you be able to take away from what you do see when the ones are on the field in preseason for the Bears? Yeah, so the two spots I'm most interested in seeing, I think running back, we've got a pretty good idea there. Jordan Howard is the main guy. Cohen is the guy to move all over the field and use in the pass-catching game. You know, feel pretty good about Allen Robinson as the sort of target hog on this team. It's, you know, is Anthony Miller going to lock down this starting right. slot receiver role? Uh, that's number one. Number two, I am interested in seeing – you know, how they work in Trey Burden, who's a really athletic tight end um, and had some success in Philly as the backup there when he had to fill in at times and obviously threw the, threw the touchdown in the Super Bowl, which was awesome. Um, but, I, you know, so those are the two spots I think I'm looking at most. That slot-wide receiver spot, the tight end spot for Burden, seeing how they're able to utilize those two spots to try and give me a better idea of, where are the secondary targets going to go? I think we've got the primary stuff pretty figured out, barring injury. Um, but, you know, how much of an impact are these secondary pieces to the offense going to have? When, when you're looking at the Bears offense, you know, there's a lot of new pieces. We talk about this a lot on the show. Uh, you know, as good as a team looks on paper, especially when you're talking about, like, teams like the 49ers and the Bears, if there's a lot of new personnel, with each other, like there are these two teams, it's got to take time to gel. And you might have to be patient with a guy like, you know, Burton, Allen Robinson, Trubisky, Anthony Miller have all never played with each other before. Yeah, there are some chemistry issues. I try not to get into that too much just because it's a little bit going down narrative street where, you know, maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't matter. You know, we saw with the Rams offense, they got a new coach, they got some new personnel in at wide receiver last year. And, you know, there was no adjustment period for them. They went from, you know, they had Jared Goff went from last in the league in yards per attempt to first in the league yards per attempt. I think that was the jump. If, if it wasn't quite that, it was something very close to that, something really extreme. So uh, you could you second guess things? Yeah, but ultimately, I think it's going to be an offense on the rise. You start to see the talent. You've got the coaching switch to see that's going to be favorable. It's very difficult to see how they regress and take a step backwards from last year. So uh, as Dana and I said, yeah, maybe you want to watch some of those roles, but I'm not concerned that this offense is just a complete dot out of the gate. I don't think you can project it as such. You'd be sacrificing too much value. And 
Trubisky is, you know, a quarterback that I'm looking to target as someone that is always doing late round quarterback, almost regardless of format. Um, looking right now at like fantasy football calculator and they have him as like the 24th quarterback off the mm. board, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and I think in, you know, more like expert type leagues and less casual leagues, he's going much earlier. But if you're getting him even in the low teens in terms of quarterback off the board, uh, he's an excellent late round quarterback target. In addition to the new offense, the weapons he has, he is someone who has some, you know, rushing upside, which is a big deal, which helps the floor ceiling combination for quarterbacks. Fair enough. Hey, Mike, listen, I know that you, uh, you played with Bo Jackson in Tecmo Super Bowl, so you're comfortable <laughs> being a two-sport athlete. We talked about how I was more of a Christian Okoye kind of guy in that game. But listen, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you one question here about DFS uh, baseball because, listen, we had the trading deadline, right? And so we had a number of people moving to new teams, and I think this could be interesting. I, when I see guys like Brian Dozier in L.A., right, a different lineup, when I see Leonis Martin maybe in that Cleveland lineup, you know, I think there could be some value there of them being able to produce a little bit more in new lineups. I also see, like, Archer all of a sudden moving to the National League in Pittsburgh. You know, can you tell me uh, of these guys who have kind of new teams this week, where might they be some you know inefficiency where might be there be some value or opportunity because of the new team or the new situation that they're in you know the trading deadline uh has now come and gone in major league baseball yeah i mean we saw it last night with cole hamill the guy that we were on way above the market where uh, not only is he getting a positive league shift going from the american league to the national league doesn't have to deal with the dh uh, competition certainly not quite as high on the offensive side of the ball but he's also getting this massive park shift, you know, going from pitching in Texas to he was pitching in PNC Park last night. His home field, of course, is going to be in Wrigley. So I think a guy like that gets a really big boost in value. And you mentioned some of the hitters like Brian Dozier going to the Dodgers. What interests me sometimes is uh, the teams that sent those players are going to have to, you know, redo their lineups. And uh, as a result, guys are going to be shifted up in the order into spots they generally aren't in. And at least for a couple of weeks, the pricing might be a bit behind on that. And you could get guys that, you know, maybe they're not highly talented. Maybe the offenses around them aren't great. That's why they were selling to begin with. But because of the lineup spot attached to them, the pricing isn't reflecting that. And similarly with the bullpen trades, too, something that goes underlooked a lot uh, in MLB DFS is the strength of bullpens you know the Mariners boasted their bullpen so they're going to be a tougher team to stack against uh, whereas some of the teams that sent these relievers and have these horrific bullpens are going to be even that much more fun and create that much more upside for opposing stacks. What about uh, pitchers moving from the American League to the National League? Uh, we've seen it be very advantageous in the, in the past and right right when the moment is fresh maybe you should take advantage of it you have, you know, these guys haven't seen Chris Archer as much. There's no DH, and Kevin Gausman's first start of the, the for the Braves is going to come against the Mets this weekend. Yeah, it's certainly you know a sight that I think he's going to be happy to see after facing the Yankees and the Red Sox and not having to deal with that. And it's something that at Daily Roto, you know, we're accounting for in our baseline adjustments um, because you're going to expect a lower weighted on base average allowed for these starting pitchers pitching the national league versus the American league. You also get that pitcher spot to face, you know, that's a really good, it's a little thing, but 
um, that's increasing the strikeout potential quite a bit for these starting pitchers when you face a pitcher spot, you know, two or three times to start rather than a DH spot two or three times. So as I mentioned with Cole Hamels, uh, it is definitely a, a big positive. You've got to look at each case um, on its own, whereas like Chris Archer was already in a pretty good ballpark. So he'll get a boost, but like I said, he's not going to get the same boost as Hamels, who's going off, you know, he's not going to get the same boost as Kevin Gosman, who are going from these hitters parks. There you have it. Talking with Mike Leone here at a dailyroto.com. Remember, okay, their partnership with DKMS helping the fight against blood cancer. You can still potentially win tickets to the 2018 World Series. And listen, DFS football starts today, so you definitely have to check them out. All the great content of Mike Leone and dailyroto.com. Hey, Mike, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. Uh, we'll talk to you a little bit more next week. Where we got a big old week one preseason slate to break down, all right? Have a good one, Mike. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. There was Mike Leone representing DailyRoto.com. Some interesting points that he made about what to look for early on in the preseason, Scott. What would you take away most from his, uh, from his commentary? Just, uh, you know, very, very interesting, you know, about how he attacks preseason fantasy football and, you know, how hard it is, uh, you know, when all the, the guys are – are basically, uh, you know, the same price in some of those games. Yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. Okay, so we got to check that out. We're definitely going to be looking at that. Real quick, Scott, because we only got a couple of minutes. You know, the Ravens and the Bears play tonight. Okay, uh, over on mybookie.ag, the Ravens are plus 140 to make the playoffs, minus 170 to not make the playoffs. The Bears are plus 425 to make the playoffs, minus 650 to not make the playoffs. Of these, you know I think it unravels in Baltimore, and they bring in Lamar Jackson, and he takes some bumps and bruises. Of these four bets, I would put money on the Ravens not making the playoffs at minus 170. What do you think is the surest bet for these two teams? It's easy to see the Bears not making the playoffs. Uh, yeah, that's the biggest favorite. I, I, I'd, pro- I'd, I'd probably agree with you. I think, I think the Ravens are good in intangibles, but – there's just not enough talent there. There are some issues on the defensive side of the ball. They're not as good as they used to be. Terrell Suggs is yeah, age 35. You question Weddle. the pass rush. The, you know, the, def- the secondary got torn up in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Even though they get a lot of picks, they can give up a lot of big plays. Uh, I think the Ravens are a 500 ball club, and Harbaugh is on the hot seat. Yeah, I agree with you, but we will start to see it happen on the field starting tonight. You got to be excited. Hey, Scotty, I'm not in tomorrow. We're going to have Mike Blewett in for me. You guys can talk about some new fantasy uh, team name submissions and update the contest, all right? So I'm not going to talk to you tomorrow. So have a great tomorrow, Scott. Have a great weekend. I'll be back talking to you on Monday. Roto experts in the morning, all right? Jake Seeley. Yo, Flacco says, give me one more chance. Fair enough. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto 
Westbrook in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It is hour number two, and so my guy, the all-in kid, gets the hot tag from the king, Sean Angle. Jake, we have a football game tonight. I know it's the Hall of Fame game. I know it's early preseason, but it's got to get your juices flowing a little bit, Jakey, Jakey. How you feeling on a bright Thursday? I'm feeling good, and no, it doesn't because it's not football. All right, all right, all right. Don't be my wet blanket. We got to find something to discuss, and I'll have some questions for you about it. So just be ready for that. But we got a good hour for you, okay? Plenty of news and notes to discuss. I, I search with Jake on a way to make meaning out of the preseason games. And then, Jake, I'm telling you, I got a story to tell you because I respect your analysis, right? You're the number one expert. You always have the answer, the accuracy expert. So I need your advice on something that took place for me over the the weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But first, uh, you know, news and notes that I saw around training camp yesterday. Let's talk about some wide receivers out in our nation's capital, Jake. You know, two things. One, uh, Josh Dotson, you know, he injures his shoulder. It seems like it's not that big of a deal. It's just maybe a sprained AC joint. Um, but then in Washington, they're also saying, like, the idea of the comfort that is building with Alex Smith and a shot at Jamison Crowder. I wonder in Washington, Jake, two things. One, you know, we like that that chemistry is building what do you think is the ceiling on Crowder like I think he's a solid and safe wide receiver three I have him in that level in some of my dynasty leagues but then also with his Josh Dotson talk to me about these outside guys Josh Dotson and Paul Richardson who do you think profiles to be the the main dude outside for Washington uh, Josh Dotson Paul Richardson's okay. had opportunities before hasn't really done much with him there's already been talk so far in training camp that he's dropping passes and he hasn't looked great so far and they want more out of him, and he's been a disappointment, and it's early in his training camp news. But whether or not that's a motivational tactic or whatever it is, it's not a good sign. It's not something good you want to hear about somebody that he's coming over for this team and trying to make a difference when you have an incumbent who was a terrific red zone threat for this team last year, just wasn't connecting with Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins struggles on those kind of throws. Alex Smith is actually better throwing to his wideouts. It goes back to that article that I wrote about the four quarterback changes. And I think Alex Smith and Josh Doxson could be good together. It just depends on how much time he's going to miss. But the good news is for him and the bad news for Richardson is Richardson's also banged up. Yeah, fair enough. What about Crowder? You know, it sounds like they have a high level of comfort with each other. Are you happy with him as your wide receiver three? No, I don't want him as my wide receiver three, but if I went running back heavy and as my wide receiver three in a PPR, I could live with it. Uh, Jamison Crowder, we know, is a wide receiver three with a fringe wide receiver two potential over a full 16 games in PPR. All right, fair enough. Let's keep it moving. We're talking a lot about wide receivers today. Uh, up in New England, you know, Jordan Matthews, it looks like he sustained a significant hamstring injury. There were conflicting reports yesterday as kind of the day moved on, right? It was like, oh, he's got this injury. It was like, oh, they may release him. There were even reports out that they did release him. Then we hear maybe, no, they're just putting him on IR. There may be an opportunity for some kind of buyout and to have him actually be released if he's able to move on. Listen, Matthews was a guy, Jake, that we were uh, – uh, you know, uh, assuming or projecting that maybe had some potential in that slot without Julian Edelman, you know, that is clearly not going to be the case. So talk to me about who is maybe the next man up for this role in New England. I know you talked about Philip Dorsett once, who the Patriots got in that Jacoby Brissett deal last year. There's also talk about some of the rookies they got. What about this kid Berrios out of Miami, who some people are already drawing comparisons to Julian Edelman. How do you think that role gets played? Because it's not going to be Jordan Matthews. 
Nobody with real significance. It's going to be for four weeks until Edelman's back, and Jordan Matthews had some hope as somebody with decent talent to do more than just be this slot option. I don't see anything here where you're going to get excited about it past the four weeks, even if during the four weeks of any type of consistency. It's going to be Chris Hogan and Rob Gronkowski, like it always is. They're already talking about actually Kenny Britt starting this alongside mm. Chris Hogan and two wide receivers set. I'm not looking at this. is the Patriots. I'm not looking to get involved with anybody now. What about like DFS week one, if you can kind of accurately identify nope. who's going to be that other guy? No, because you can't. Because you can't. You can't. Like, it's, if you want a tournament lineup, go right ahead. But I'm not yeah. touching the Patriots. All right, fair enough. I mean, that's what I mean. In tournaments anyway, Jake, you gotta, you got to kind of zig when other people are zagging. So if you, if you get that right, you know, that could be an option in DFS. You don't have to. You don't have to try and, like, burn your money on that much of a, like, dice roll. All right, fair enough. It's all about your uh, that risk aversion, and if you want to take that shot or not, I guess. How big of a dice roll is it to you? Uh, Jake, another report that I got yesterday out of Kansas City. Listen, they're talking about Patty Mahomes. Like, we all hear that Patty Mahomes is going to be this gunslinger, right? We all hear the comparisons to, like, Brett Favre. But I'm hearing at camp, it's quote-unquote interception-filled. He's throwing, he's throwing something like seven picks and six practices. They are saying he's, like, mixing in his share of big plays as well. A lot of people are hyping up Patty Mahomes. But listen, this is the risk. That is going to be there. He, it sounds like he's going to be a guy who is not going to be safe, who is going to try to push the ball down the field. You know, Jake, I want to ask you, like, do you think he's at, you know, adequately kind of ranked and priced? Has the hype gone a little bit too far? And here's the other thing. If there is some level of interceptions there, because most people also project Patty Mahomes to maybe run for three, 350 yards, you know, does the 40 rushing yards he get in the game completely mitigate the potential for two interceptions? What do you think about Patty Mahomes and kind of the use of his running game to mitigate some of these turnovers that will likely happen? Well, that's the upside with Patrick Mahomes, but the difference between him and Tyrod Taylor is Tyrod Taylor's not throwing that many interceptions, and that's why Tyrod Taylor always had that base floor and appeal. So it doesn't completely eliminate the risk of the interceptions, and nothing's changed since we talked about the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is overdrafted because of the hype around him. This is exactly what we're seeing. I was one of, and still am, one of the biggest Patrick Mahomes fans on talent, saying the same thing I did when he was drafted is that he has mechanical issues, Great spot to fix that under Andy Reid because there's few better that could help you with that. But as we're seeing already, there are probably still some there, and there's also probably still decision-making to be made, as is any rookie quarterback, any quarterback going to his second year like all these quarterbacks are doing. Right. It's a lot to ask for. You know, Not all these quarterbacks make huge jumps like Carson Wentz does in their second year, which is Carson Wentz, the good thing about him, he already was a very good decision-maker. So... Patrick Mahomes, this doesn't surprise me. People were taking him as a top 10 quarterback alongside Jimmy Garoppolo, and this is why you don't do all that. This is why you don't buy all the risk, because people just want to get the brand-new shiny toy, and they pass on Matthew Stafford and Phillip Rivers to draft Patrick Mahomes because they think he could all of a sudden be this amazing thing. 
Yeah, fair enough. Listen, I like Patty Mahomes as well. You know, I have him in some dynasty leagues. But at the same time, I'm not taking him as a top 10 quarterback. He is maybe one of those examples of why you maybe can wait on quarterback and double dip a little bit later on. But if he's like your quarterback 14, I'm cool with that. But I'm not, spend, I'm not spending on him at the level where I can still, to your point, get an Andrew Luck, get a Matthew Stafford, get a Phillip Rivers. I'd rather the safer floor if I'm waiting on quarterback for there. Um, so fair enough. Let me ask you one more thing, Jake, and kind of, I know you've talked about a lot of things, this idea that the talent wins out, you know, in some of these running back battles. At the same time, Jake, I mean, I can't go a day recently without hearing some positive buzz in Seattle about Chris Carson. You know how he's looking like the best running back in camp, how he beat reporters are now saying he's the favorite. You know, last hour when I talked to Scotty Angle, he is on some like Pete Carroll makes the rookies earn it kind of idea. I know you've been talking about Penny. My question is for you, Jake, and I know that a lot of times this buzz and this preseason stuff does not move the needle, but I am hearing an inordinate amount of buzz around how Carson is really, uh, you know, presenting well so far. Um, have you have you changed at all your thinking on the Seattle running back room? Not at all. People go, go ahead and make the wrong decision. It, not at all. Uh, you want to tell me why? You want to elaborate a little bit? I mean, like, we're hearing a lot about it, Jake. I, I, mean, I don't want to repeat the same thing for the 10th flipping time for everybody. There's, it's Rashad Penny was a first-rounder by the Seahawks. He is the better talent. Chris Carson had one good game out of four, and people have this revisionist history because the entire backfield was garbage. He's not as good as Penny. He's not that good of a running back, period. This is Penny's backfield. May he split some with Chris Carson? Yes, this is not going to be Chris Carson's backfield. All right, Jake is on the record, and uh, he has certainly planted the flag on his belief on the Seattle running back room. And he is, after all, the number one accuracy ranker in the business. So, you know, you hear some reports out of camp. I'm still leaning with my guy, Jake, the all-in kid. Don't forget to enter the promo code all-in-kid at checkout when you go ahead and get the Roto Experts exclusive edge fantasy football package. Hey, Jake, we got an interesting poll question up today where, listen, it's a uh, it's a tight race. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but Jake, a lot of times you talk about the rookie running backs, you know, whether it's in Seattle or Denver or Washington. We talk about these rookie quarterbacks all the time. The poll question up today, Jake, is which rookie wide receiver do you think will have the biggest hashtag fantasy football impact in 2018? Now, I'm talking about redraft leagues right now, Jake, and right now, 32% say DJ Moore, 29% say Calvin Ridley, 25% say Anthony Miller. We have Christian Kirk in the poll in Arizona as well. And then we've even gotten write-in votes for Michael Gallup in Dallas, for James Washington in Pittsburgh. DJ Moore leading this poll right now at 32%. Who would be your pick for uh, the uh, most productive rookie wide receiver this year, Jake? Uh, the one that you shouldn't have put Christian Kirk in there and put Michael Gallup in there because Michael Gallup should be in this conversation is the Cowboys need wide receivers. Calvin Ridley is going to be battling for number two wide receiver targets behind Julio Jones in a backfield that gobbles up a ton of targets. DJ Moore, same thing is the fact that he had base case scenario. He's probably third or fourth in targets for this team. Anthony Miller I actually like a lot for his landing spot, but is Trubisky mm-hmm. going to Allen Robinson backfield, Trey Burton? Again, he's the fourth option. At least Michael Gallup could potentially be the second option before long. 
All right, fair enough. So Michael Gallup is intriguing to you. You know, it is this combination of skill set and opportunity, like we've always said. You know, the fact that uh, Anthony Miller is in this poll, and Anthony Miller is doing pretty well, getting 25% of the vote. Might he be the guy in the slot? That's one of the questions that we pose as we look to actual NFL football uh, tonight. Jake, listen, I know that you're like, eh, it's not necessarily football, but I'm going to try and make meaning out of this anyway, okay? The Chicago Bears and the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens are over on mybookie.a they are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Over-under for this game, Jake, and for most preseason games, are very, very low at 33-and-a-half. Here's my question for you, Jake. Like, there's got, like what, what, if anything, are we looking at? I'm talking about in Baltimore. Listen, all three wide receivers, Jake, are um, new. You know what I mean? Like, Michael Crabtree, new to Baltimore. Willie Sneed, new to Baltimore. Smokey John Brown, new to Baltimore. They drafted wide receivers as well. They drafted not one, but two tight ends. There's the unanswered question of what Lamar Jackson looks like on an NFL field. So as it relates to these Baltimore Ravens, uh, Jake, you know, are you, are you, how long do you think, how long do you think Lamar Jackson will be on the field? You know, and then out of all these new skill position players, these new pass catchers at wide receiver and tight end, what are some of the indicators that we might see in a, in a couple of series tonight? I mean, like how long Lamar Jackson will be on the field in tonight's game? Yeah, first of all, for Lamar Miller, how, how much do you think they expose Lamar Miller? How much do you think – I mean, excuse Lamar me, Miller. Lamar Jackson. Lamar yeah. Jackson, how much do you think we see Lamar Jackson tonight? I think, well, it's, a, it's the uh, Hall of Fame game, so you're not going to probably see most of the starters at all, so we'll probably see a good amount of them. I doubt that they see a ton of RG3. I mean, how much do you really want to see? You know that they said they brought him in just to mentor Lamar right. Jackson, so I would be surprised if he's playing three quarters of the game, honestly. You, you would not be surprised if he's playing three quarters of the game? Yes. Okay, so then does that make Lamar Jackson the chalk DFS play? I would think so. Okay, fair enough. I, because, right. I can't think of who their fourth quarterback is right now, the one that's going to get cut anyway. I don't even know if they have one. I'm looking real quick. Okay, uh, fair enough. Oh, uh, yeah, they have Josh Woodrum. So, okay, maybe two okay. quarters. Okay, fair enough, right? Because here's the other thing, Jake. Like, with a guy, especially with a guy like Lamar Jackson, how much do you want to put him out there behind, like, your backup offensive lineman? You know what I mean, Jake? Well, it's, it's again, so the, the starters don't start as much. Some of the offensive linemen will, though, and they'll play longer. Like, okay. I'm saying starters as in you're probably not going to see Joe position. Flacco. Yes, yeah, yeah, Joe Flacco, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, Alex Collins. If you see them, it'll maybe be for one series, and that's going to be it. That's so. But some of the offensive linemen will stay out there a little bit longer. And backup offensive linemen aren't the worst in the world, especially because the backup offensive linemen are coming out probably at the same time the backup defensive line and backup defense is coming out. So that's why, you know, Lamar Jackson, I'm sure there's a concern. But, uh, you know, I can see two quarters uh, uh, just because they want to know what they have out there. They're trying to put heat on Joe Flacco, so why not? I mean, Robert Griffin, you might get him hurt by being out there for two series. <laughs> and then Josh Woodrum, like I said, Josh Woodrum will probably play. They'll be, that'll be the fourth, fourth quarter. quarter time. That'll be Josh Woodrum with, like, uh, Jaleel Scott and the, right. the, it's like not even the good tight ends that they drafted and like deeper down the roster. Like uh, I'm trying to think who else they even have on that team. Max Williams, who's never been healthy. Right. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about these tight ends. You know, listen, Jake, they drafted not one, but two tight ends. Right. So is there anything that we can get there? Are we going to see no, these guys Mark on Andrews the field like hurt. in the second quarter? Mark Andrews is hurt right now. Okay. What about Hurst? 
No, that's what I'm saying. We're not. Gonna, I don't know how much we're going to see from Hurst. We'll only see Hurst for like the first two series, kind of thing. And um, my, but my point is, is even if he was out there for the entire first quarter, it's not going to really tell us who's potentially winning the job if Andrews returns this week, and then we get the first mm-hmm. real preseason game next week. Like Andrews is hurt right now, so I'm not looking into that too much. Okay, let's look at the other side of things here. Jake, because the Chicago Bears also have, like, to use your words, a, a few nice, shiny new toys, right? So I understand it may only be for a couple of series, but, you know, Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Tyler Gabriel, Anthony Miller, these are all guys that I kind of want to see on the field. It may only be for a couple of series, but then, you know, there's some other guys also. I know you've talked a little bit about Adam Shaheen, you know, the tight end they drafted last year. Maybe want to see some of his development. And don't forget, you know, this may be the exact time and place where a guy who used to be, who was a former number, uh, number one draft pick for this team, this could be the kind of setting where we start to see Kevin White on a football field. Like, are there any tea leaves that you're trying to read from the Chicago offense in preseason? No, because to go back to this entire game, I'm not trying to read any tea leaves from this game, period. Okay, let's talk about generally in pre, like not this week, okay? Week one of preseason. Like, what if any other storylines in preseason you're looking at for the Bears? Mm, not much. Uh, like Kevin White, I'm done wasting my time worrying about Kevin White. So, this is, we know who the Bears offense is. There's not really much to see here unless all of a sudden Allen Robinson and Mitch How it fits Risky in the scheme? Look like, no. We know who these players are. Mitch Trubisky has zero chemistry with Allen Robinson through week three of the preseason. Then you start to get concerned, but we know who the weapons are. We know who all the, the, the Chicago Bears are one of the more simplistic people to pick or teams to pick through when you talk about for fantasy. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Jake, uh, Jake, are you, are you going to watch this game tonight? Mm, not much of it, no. I'll probably be nah, working okay. and having it on the side. All right, fair enough in the background. I will not be seeing it either, Jake, but it is unfortunate, not unfortunate. I'm going to be at MetLife Stadium tonight with a little Jay-Z and Beyonce, so I'm going to be missing this game. Well, here, as, hold on real well, quick. Since apparently Scott's, Scott's listening, I never said Penny was going to be gifted the job. I am so sick of people talking about this Penny thing and not understanding what I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, are you talking to me or are you talking to Scott? I'm talking to Scott. He just tweeted at us. I, I never said Penny was going to be gifted the job. Never said that. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I know, um, I think what, you, what, what I think you said is that, you know, you talk about generally speaking, you think talent will win out, and you do think that Penny has the talent in Seattle and that eventually this job will be his. Is that accurate, Jake? Yep, and that they're right. going to give him an opportunity because the draft capital does matter. That doesn't mean they're going to give him the job but they're going to give him the opportunity. All right, fair enough. You know, uh, you know, you could have that battle online with my guy, the King Scott Angle. But, uh, you know, Jake, I'm trying to not put words in your mouth and clarify. Let me ask you one last thing. You know, we talked about, I think it was yesterday, we talked about how, like, betting on preseason games is like a clear sign of you may need to call that number at the bottom of your screen, right? That kind of thing. But when I, I just want to get your thoughts here. I look at these two teams because over on mybookie.ag, there are odds for every team to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs, okay? We've talked season win totals a little bit with these teams. But look, right now, 
Ravens make the playoffs plus 140. Ravens won't make the playoffs minus 170. Then at Chicago, uh, you know, my bookie thinks a little bit lower about the Bears. They say it's plus 425 for them to make the playoffs and minus 650 that they want that they won't. Of those four bets, if I had to make one of those four, I would go Ravens not making the playoffs at minus 170. I don't think the Bears make it either, but you know, I'm not paying a minus 650 juice on it. So of those four bets, I would take minus 170 that the Ravens will not make the playoffs of those four options. What would you do, Jake? I would do the same thing. I don't think either team makes the playoffs. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so listen, I don't know that we recommend, Jake, betting on the lines of a preseason game. Would you bet totals, Jake? Because, like, nope. in preseason I'm not games... Doing, no, 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 no. You, here, you can go down your whole road of why you might want to bet. I'm telling you right now, I am never putting a single dollar on preseason week one, let alone the Hall of Fame game. So go ahead, continue. Okay, Jake. <laughs> nope, no problem. I was not going to say that I would bet. What I was going to say is that generally we do see the defenses ahead of the offenses. And so I think there is a reason that these totals are lower. But then I was going to ask you the open-ended question of your take about betting on totals, which you apparently have answered. So we can keep it yep. moving. Jake. Nope, it's all good. Not doing it. This is how you people lose money and they get, they get into trouble. You people. So listen, guys. Anybody? I didn't say you people. Listening. I said this is how people. Okay, fair enough. Again, fair enough. See, look, you're trying to put words in my mouth again. Eh, we could rewind <laughs> the tape on that one, Jake. Hey, before yeah, you we can that one up. You please do because I up? said when people, not you people. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll rewind that one. Maybe it'll be like a little Anthony Rizzo sliding, but we'll talk about that another time. Moving on, though, Jake, here's what I did want to ask you. You know, we're talking about all these expert drafts that are going on, the Flex League notwithstanding, right? That's another one of them. I'm excited to be a part of that one, kicking off uh, in a couple of weeks. But you have an article on the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter the promo codes with so many different promo codes to enter. You got the All-In Kid. You got Winner. You got the King. You know, make it happen as you get the exclusive edge fantasy football package. One of the things you contribute to the package, Jake, beyond your rankings and beyond a lot of articles is how to um, learn from the quote unquote expert fantasy drafts. Right. And I think that's really, really interesting to what you're taking away from the experts. One of the main things you talk about, Jake, is how like, you know, uh, what you call this running back revival. My boy Kenneth Cashman over at RotoWare, one of his early shirts was even uh, he literally had a shirt that was like, remember when everybody drafted running backs in the first round? And that was, you know, a shirt because people for a time were not doing it. You now talk about what you describe as a running back revival. What do you mean by that, Jake? And why is that a takeaway from expert drafts? What do you mean the running back revival? I, I, don't, um, I actually don't know what you're just talking about. I've never said a running back revival, so I'm not sure what you're talking about. Okay, I'm talking about your article. Like, you're just talking about like, the fact that learning from the fantasy experts, right? And the slug is running back revival. I'll read it to you, Jake. It says, since the peak of, quote unquote, forget about taking running back days of 2015, the tide has been shifting back to running backs early. This under the paragraph heading, running back revival. That's what I'm asking you about, Jake. Oh, so that's, yeah, that's what you said. It's the slugs that they put in there, the titles for the sections. So, okay, well, that's fine. That's, that's what you can call it. Uh, sure, it's the, people are starting to take running backs in the first round and get and stop with that uh, zero RB stuff that we saw for one year that basically worked. And 
that's more than anything. It's just that you need to get a bell cow running back in the first two rounds. But that's always been the way that I played fantasy football. It's just people are now coming back around to it because of what happened last year. And again, the, the zero RB only worked for one season. Well, all right. Well, all right. One of the other, and, you know, maybe you're aware of the uh, paragraph slugs. I don't know how much you write it and how much happens in the post-editing kind of uh, process, you know, in behind the curtain there on the Roto Experts exclusive edge fantasy football package, which everybody, you need to go out and get if you want to win your leagues and win that cash this year. Um, so maybe I'll talk about it not as something that the words you wrote per se, but as the concept, another one of the concepts you, you talk about that you may challenge a little bit. I want to ask you about it you know is this idea it says here waiting on quarterbacks maybe so you know we've talked about waiting on quarterbacks uh as a rule of thumb generally speaking i know you've talked about guys like carson wentz philip rivers matthew stafford that you're completely comfortable getting in ra- later rounds eight nine ten this sort of thing so why uh the qualifier of maybe from expert uh from these expert drafts are, are there are you saying that there are some maybe uh, top-tier quarterbacks who you do want to spend that draft capital on. Talk to me a little bit about this theory. I know we've talked about it before, but I'm intrigued by the fact that it's like maybe. Or is there other pieces to this strategy, Jake? Yeah, they kept going through and past the title there is because it's not. it has nothing to do with who. It has to do with the fact that everybody in these expert drafts and if you're in experienced leagues that are starting to do similar to – I hate the word expert drafts, but that'll – you know. People understand that word better for what right. we're talking about. I'm going to say, like, you know, football analyst drafts or something, you know, whatever. So in any case, if your league starts to act that same way, which there's plenty of them that are experienced enough to do so, at some point it's maybe because at some point it's stupid to continue to wait on quarterback. If quarterbacks keep falling like they have in a lot of the drafts I've been in so far, at some there's a breaking point. There's a breaking point where the return value it capitalizes and moves over top of the fact of waiting on quarterback. If Andrew Luck, as we've continued to see these reports, is sitting there in the eighth round, you have to take him off the board. If Deshaun Watson falls to the seventh, you have to take him. Like There's just the fact that you have to take him at some point if the draft keeps falling that way. Uh, I'd even take Aaron Rodgers in the end of the fifth round, early sixth round. At some point, you've got to ignore it. Yeah, fair enough. The last thing I want to ask you about, Jake, in terms of this article, like, and I hear you, right? The term expert is interesting, but I guess in general, we're talking about people, you know, who are out there giving their opinion that people are subscribing to or listening to. It's the people that are out there doing this uh, to try to educate other people from with their analysis, you know, and, and here's the thing, and, and talk to me, Jake, because you are the number one ranker in the industry, right? And so I guess the, the concept that I'm talking about here is like groupthink. You know, and how that winds up getting have the hype train going a little bit too far on certain guys. Like, you know, you see all these let's call them experts, right? And they have a lot of some of the same kind of narratives, some of the same kind of thinking, you know, maybe as it relates to like a Jarek McKinnon or someone like that. Um, do you like buy into the group think or do you really need to kind of uh, not take these overhyped players? Because as we talk about, you're, you're buying the risk with these guys. It depends. It's going to depend on every single player, but sure. the, the point, the main point being, and to your question is, don't at, you don't want to buy the player where there's no potential plus EV. There's that you see on Twitter a lot. There's no possible mm-hmm. return value where if you buy the player and he has to have the breakout season you're hoping for just to return the value where you took him, that's buying all the risk, and that's a mistake to do in your drafts. 
Yeah, and that and correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but that might be the case real high up at the first round with a guy like maybe even Alvin Kamara or Kareem Hunt who led the league in rushing last year. You're yeah, like, they were first rounders already. No, this is okay. this would be more like buying Patrick Mahomes as a top ten quarterback. Ah. Okay, fair enough. Hey, the music is hit. That means we got to play a little bit of Bills over here for the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. When we come back, Jake, I you know I need your analysis on something. It has nothing to do with fantasy football, but uh, it has to do with are we alone here in this world? I got to ask you about something that happened to me and get your expert take. We got some new team names. One specifically I think you're going to chuckle about. We'll test it out when we come back. Roto experts in the morning. Only one place to get the best fantasy football advice, that's rotoexperts.com. And there's only one way to get the most detailed analysis, and that's by getting the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. You get our Chi Generator, plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings, plus all your favorite articles, including breakout candidates, sleepers, busts, and rankings. You can also join the fantasy community with our 24-7 Slack chat channel. Register now at rotoexperts.com for the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. And start winning your fantasy football leagues for 2018. Cash rules everything around me. Cash rule everything around you, especially if you're here on Roto Experts in the morning. You're looking at how to get a little bit of advantages to win your leagues and win that cash. We got preseason game tonight, the Hall of Fame game. We told you it's Baltimore Ravens minus two and a half. I don't know about betting on that. That could be a sign that you have a problem. There is, however, some inefficiencies to be exploited by DFS here in preseason. Jake, do you think, like, are there a lot of people – Jake, that are just excited by the fact that they can play DFS football and going to make the ridiculous rookie mistake of, like, going with the names that they know, even though they're only going to be on the field for, like, a couple of series. Like, talk to me about, um, I guess, the opportunity for sharks versus the fish in the water in preseason DFS. Like, you and I both know it's about understanding the snap count, understanding which backups are going to play in the second and third quarter, that sort of thing. Do you think, Jake, or do you know, are there a lot of people, you know, the layman who are just excited to bet on the names that they know, and how much of an opportunity does that present for sharks playing DFS in preseason? It does more, obviously, after tonight, not including tonight, and more so in the first two games because, as you said, people are going to jump in and just take names that they know and think that even in less than a quarter that those are the names that you want, despite the ones that are going to be playing for two, three quarters of the game. So there's definitely potential here. It's still risky. It's still 10 times more risky than the regular season, and I'm very unlikely to do it for myself. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there who have made good money doing so and can find a way. It's just you're, you're adding risk, but you're also it's, – it's how you want to look at it. You're adding risk for your lineup to perform even if you know what you're doing, but you're also eliminating a portion of the field, maybe even 15 20% of it potentially, of people that don't know what they're doing at all. So it's a give-and-take situation there. All right, fair enough. Remember also, we got a poll question up on Twitter. We're asking you about rookie wide receivers. Jake has said, don't forget about Michael Gallup. That would actually be his answer, right? Um, DJ Moore, however, leading the poll right now at 34% out there in Carolina, who look, likely will be opposite Devin Funches. All right, Jake, I got to ask your opinion on something. I mentioned it on Fantasy Freestyle on Tuesday. I got our guy Danny O's opinion on this. Here's the situation. I'm going to try and be as brief as possible. I'm at the beach last weekend, okay? I'm at the beach in Brooklyn last week, chilling. Everything's nice. It's all cool, right? 
for about five minutes, Jake, though, about 20, 25 feet high, right above the shoreline, there's a drone, Jake, okay? And this is like a high-end drone, okay? This is not some drone you just buy at Best Buy or something like this. High-end drone being flown expertly. Whoever was flying this drone knew what they were doing. And Jake, the drone had a little red light on it and not a little red light that was like, you know, uh, kind of showing that it was like still connected to say the remote control or whatever it was, you know, that sort of thing. This was a light. It was taking a picture. It was recording. It was something like that. And about, you know, a couple of minutes go by, more and more people People notice it on the beach, you know what I mean? And then, you know, and it's kind of, you know, angling itself, tilting, so it could clearly, in my opinion, get better footage, right? And then so me and my girl were there, we're, we're looking at it, and we're like, oh, wow, we're starting to talk about this drone. And then, boom, out of nowhere, Jake, it flies off. And at first, I was thinking this was some kid on the beach maybe flying a drone, but that it was going to go out of range and just like fall in the water. That never happened, Jake. It goes – I'm following it with my eye, and it goes so far that, you know, it kind of you know gets smaller, 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 and then completely vanishes. It went out to like the level where you would see like the, the barges on the horizon and all the way up high. I literally lost track of it, okay, Jake? So I have a two-part question for you. One is like what the hell was it? Was it like someone's personal drone? Was it a governmental thing? Was it commercial? Like, you know, I don't know, Amazon testing something out? You know, like the new, could it be the News 4 traffic and weather cam? Could it be like an independent filmmaker getting B-roll? Like, what the hell was it? And then also, like, what should I be most comfortable about it being? Like, what answer do I actually want? You know, what would I feel most comfortable with it being? What do you think? I thought it was really freaky. Danny O, you know, he was talking about the X-Files and aliens and stuff. What, what do you think, Jake? Like, first, like, that was, it was messed up, bro. What do you think? How would you feel if you saw these drones recording you at the beach? Yeah, I definitely want to feel good about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, look, I don't, I don't, I've, I've never owned a drone, so right. I don't know. I don't, well, no, I'm saying that because I don't know what your store-bought drones distances i don't know like how far these are able to go that's why right. i'm saying uh, you know you have to have some type of quality signal to be able to i don't know what are we talking cell phone radio signal because then anybody can fly there's pretty much i guess a hell of a long distance if you have that kind of signal on them so i don't know that's that's what i'm asking so i don't think by how far away it went really tells you anything i think more of the quality of what it looked like would tell you something like i mean it was one of yeah, the ones I mean, that's I'm a novice at this and... too, but it looked like it, it had those like four on each corner was like those four, you know, like helicopter kind of spinners. It was well, yeah, that's I was... mean that's a drone, but I meant like does it have a whole? Was it like boxed off like with legs and kind of looked like it could take a real hit? Yeah, it looked heavy duty, and here's the thing, Jake. It had it had to have some kind of filming capability on it as well. Like How this you know? light was not this night was this light was not at like regular intervals, Jake. This was not just like being connected to some kind of remote control source you know hey, no you don't was... know my, my nephew has a I, I bought him a star wars drone and the light on top of that like yeah, but i know it's a star wars one but the light necessarily doesn't mean anything was there actually like something on the bottom of it that looked like a camera spot is what i was yeah it could say. have been like a little like a little gopro action kind of thing yes yes right, it was well, freaky jake it was freaky right, well, <laughs> then, then don't go back <laughs> fair okay but then here's my question and here's where i think is like the other the interesting part of this like of all the possibilities of what it was what would you be most comfortable with? I wouldn't be comfortable with anything. I wouldn't be comfortable with anybody filming me for anything that they want to do with without telling me what it's for. 
Right. I don't, no, I, like the, I, don't even, I don't even like taking pictures in general. I was just at church last night. Our, our conference kicked off, and they wanted because I was uh-huh. helping with the sales table, and they wanted to take a picture. I was like, I didn't really want to do that. <laughs> right. I mean, I got to say this, though, Jake. You know, like at the beach, right, there's plenty of people taking pictures, you know, to put on social media and Instagram, stuff like that. And you might be in the background of some of those. But this just felt like a, a kind of different invasion of privacy. You know what I mean? And, and, and I guess, Jake, what do you think? Like, in five years, do you think like this is going to be commonplace for us that we're going to see you know drones pepper in the sky and we'll be kind of uh, immune to it? Mm, I don't think it'll be that bad. I think at some point they would have to do something about it. Really? You, you, okay. You don't think like you know because I see even you know sci-fi movies that aren't that far in the future. You know, You're we watching talk too about much like sci-fi. I don't actually watch that much sci-fi. I do think I did just see uh, Ready Player One recently, I guess. And that's where I'm coming uh, on this one from. But, you know, I just think, Jake, it was a very interesting experience. And then there, it left me with a number of unanswered questions, you know, like government, commercial, personal. It was just really freaky, Jake. Uh, you know, and then when I mentioned to Danny Oaklers, he, uh, he thought it was aliens. You don't think it was aliens, Jake? No, because there's no such thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, Jake, I have one other question for you. You know, we got these expert leagues. We were talking about, you know, the expert league drafts and some of the things you can take away from it. Listen, I was talking to my guy, Frank Stanley. Okay, one of the best friends forever, right? And as you know, Jake, in a flex league, uh, one of these expert leagues that you are, you know, you, you, you run, um, we got a draft in, what is it, like two weeks on the 11th over at the Sirius Studios. And Jake, Frank is in the sixth position. I'm in the seventh position in the uh, standard league format draft that we're going to be doing in a couple of weeks. And he offered, he said that he'd be willing to uh, completely flip spots with me because I was telling him, man, I don't like the seventh spot because, listen, you got the the four running backs, right? Uh, You got Antonio Brown and, like, you know, I'm going to be faced with maybe something like a Saquon Barkley or a DeAndre Hopkins kind of issue. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not happy about my spot, you know. And so he was like, hey, I'll flip with you. First question for you, is it legal for us to trade entire draft slots and just switch? Is that legal in the league if we wanted to make that kind of trade? Mm, maybe. Maybe. Well, you are, you are the, the, you are the uh, person who would figure this out, correct? Yeah, it's, it's, if, you have to think about it. You have to marinate work, it. No, how much, I have to find out how much work's involved. And Sirius already oh, okay. has the whole breakdown of like where you guys are going to be sitting. So I got to figure uh, out. It's, it's going to be a I simple. It's a logistical concern. Type of stuff. Yeah, it's a logistical concern. I understand. I understand. And then, th- th- then I think also, listen, Frank is then trolling me. Okay, I think Frank is trolling me because he does a whole video yesterday on the Fantasy Sports Network, and he's like, "Hey, have the seventh pick in a draft? Want to go this way or this way?" And he plays it all out for me. Let me ask you this: What do you think, Jake? Like, if I'm, fa- let's say I am faced with that choice, like a Saquon Barkley or a DeAndre Hopkins, and that's you know non PPR settings, deciding if I'm going to grab this RB one or this Y out one first and then kind of like the implications you know we talk about it all the time like when people say go get quarterback first then we look at the difference it means further down on their roster what do you think is the implications in this kind of format when I'm at like this spot I'm asking you basically to help me out a little bit Jake what do you think do you think if I go Saquon I can still wind up with good wideouts or do you think if I go D hop I can still wind up with representative running backs remember we are in the standard format where do you go with this kind of decision when you got to, you know, it's the wide receivers at that level versus the running backs there in the middle of the first round. 
I'm taking a running back. I'll let the wide receivers figure themselves out because there's a bigger tier of running backs or bigger tier of wide receivers than there are running backs for me of what's going to come yeah. around in the second round. So I'm taking a I'm taking a running back in the first round. Uh, basically, I'd say 95 percent of the time. If I am at the eighth spot, maybe seventh. But listen, one, two, three. Seventh spot in PPR, I'll take Antonio Brown. If I'm at the – I'd probably do the same in non-PPR, but Antonio Brown would be the only one. Or if I get right. to the turn and I'm the 12th pick and DeAndre Hopkins or Little Beckham's there, that I would consider them as – but for me, it just – and I know my rankings show different, but this is also, like I said, it's the rankings and understanding and understanding mm-hmm. where you draft and what's going to be on the board. I'm taking a running back at 10 of the 12 first picks in the first round. Yeah, you know, and that is what we're talking about, right? I hear what you're saying and this idea of, like, letting it come to you. I'm of the same mindset, Jake. You know, when we profile these running backs, we talk about how few and far between any of the true workhorses are. And if I'm in position to grab one of them in round one, I'm going to do that as well. I'm going to figure out, you know, wide receivers to get me in rounds two, three, something like that. But I only got one shot at getting one of these top dudes. You know what I mean? So I'm going to probably also go ahead. That's the way I'm leaning as well. Well, I just wonder if because other experts might be doing that, if I do need to, you know, make that flip with Frank Stanfield and trying to get a little bit earlier just to try and get me one of what I consider the big five running backs with our boy. Saint I wasn't Juan even paying Barkley that close concluded. attention. What are you guys picking? Six and seven. Who's six? So he's six. You're seven. He's six. Yeah, correct. Well, I won't worry about it. Somebody's taking Antonio Brown. Right. Someone's taking Antonio Brown. And then what I believe I'm going to be faced with at seven, right? I believe that the six that go in front of me are going to be these five running backs, the big four and Saquon and Antonio Brown. And I'm like you, Jake. I don't necessarily want to have to take DeAndre Hopkins there. I'm try. I'm leaning towards running back. And so for me, that though does then represent the start of another tier for me. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of faced with this idea of do I take the DeAndre Hopkins if this is the way it plays out when I would prefer to get the running back like you're saying, and I'm just conflicted because for me at least that does represent exactly where we go to another tier. Mm, That's fair, and I can see one in the trade and make sure you got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I'm thinking about. But, you know, Jake, your, your, your logistical concerns may prevent me from being able to make that I mean, kind you could just, of – You could just you know, take Kareem Hunt. I could. I could. But to me, he's one of those exact guys where we're talking about – like, I'm just not as high on Kareem Hunt. I think I would take Fournette ahead of him. I might even take a Why guy not? like Alvin Cook ahead of him. I, I just he's just he's just personally, you know, I just don't think he's gonna, you know, repeat what happened last year. I have some concerns about what the offense looks like under Patty Mahomes. I think you're, you know, assuming that he's gonna have to repeat, like you've said, repeat his rookie year performance, which I don't necessarily believe is gonna happen. And I think the Chiefs generally take a step back offensively this year. So um I don't know I don't know that I'm gonna have many shares of Kareem Hunt. Uh, I don't understand why so why couldn't he? Why couldn't he repeat? I mean, he, 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 he led the league in rushing, didn't start the season as the lead guy, was mixed in, then got the lead job, then got screwed around for three straight weeks by Andy Reid and still led the league in rushing. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, listen, he is a first-round talent. I'm not disputing that. You know, it's just a matter of different strokes for different folks. We shall see when I have the seventh pick over there in that flex league in a couple of weeks where I go. Jake, where do you pick in that draft? Uh, where do you pick? I actually don't remember because I'm in right. two different. Yeah, you're in multiple leagues. 
I'm in the one right. in when oh, you do obviously. that. I got the one in DC and the one in New York. So yeah, yeah. I am. When you Wait, when you uh you're, cons- oh, go ahead. You're in the first one in New York? I'm in the non PBR, I'm in the standard yeah. one. All right. And well, I believe I have the seven pick. Yeah, okay, cool. As you look that up, Jake, we only have a couple three. of minutes. You pick three, nice. All right, so you'll be fair with so you'll not be get, fine with I'm one not of those. And not, not getting Saquon though. Not pulling <laughs> them up that right. high. Sure, but you know, I can see you uh, maybe a Zeke Elliott, something like that. We'll see. We'll all know, and then we'll have more stuff to break down over on Twitter as we break it down, obviously, and as we keep our conversations going. Hey, Jake, I want to save some of these team names, but there are a lot of submissions. We're going to have Mike Blewett in for the spitting statistician tomorrow, so maybe he'll bounce some more off of you. But I got to tell you, Jake, I don't know if you've seen the spreadsheet. I don't know. Someone tagged you as well um, when they had a uh, nomination specifically for you do you know what i'm talking about derek davis on twitter no okay well he gave a submission that i think was uh specifically he's catering to you as the audience you know similar he it was an audience of one similar to our press secretary these days but uh he goes what about it's andrew luck right but he goes what about luck tales woohoo as a team name <laughs> that's uh, of course that's pretty good because it is specific <laughs> for me what's that <laughs> Like I said, because it is specifically for me. I actually, so I even chuckled. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 